0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to the conversation, almost hour number two, about three minutes shy of the six o'clock hour. We continue on. This is the Wednesday edition of Lifeline. And joining me again tonight in studio from East Bay Teen Challenge in Oakland, Alan Durfurt, who is the intake coordinator. Scott Nestle is with us today, the current director of East Bay Teen Challenge. And joining us now also in studio is a member of the development staff for Teen Challenge, Randy Hope Handy.
0: Hello.
1: Welcome, Randy. Tell us a bit about your role in the ministry. And we were talking a bit off the air about the fact that we've we focused a lot on the the men's side of the ministry, but there's a very active women's and family side, family dynamic to this as well. Tell us about that.
2: Okay. So my first role is I'm um, I'm a mom and a wife at the um, Asbury Family Center in San Jose,
1: and a relatively new mom. Should we should add? Yes. Yes.
2: My little fifteen-month-old.
1: Congratulations! Thank you. Almost to the terrible twos. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait.
2: <Yeah. laughs> um, so I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm a graduate of the program. Um, so uh, I work at the development office. Um, I help out with fundraising. Um, I screen people for some intake calls. Um, I talk to them. Um, you know, make sure they're a great fit for the program, and get some of their information going, and hurry up and um, get them in the center. And bring them home. What
1: was going on in your life when you first crossed the doors of Teen Challenge?
2: Um, so uh, I had been homeless um, and on the streets for about eight years. Um, I had some stuff going on in my life. Um, I grew up in a kind of what looked like a Christian home, um, but I was being um, abused. Um, I had—what um, happened in my life was um, basically the, the point of— um, uh heartbreak and, and shock. Uh, my dad had actually um, uh, been exposed to running an indoor um, pornography operation, like a secret pornography operation out of our home that um, he was um, arrested for. Um, my life, my family fell apart, and uh, we pressed charges on my dad. We filed restraining orders. Um, my whole life fell apart. The church kind of didn't know what to do with us, so I feel like um, because they didn't know what to do, they they didn't help us and um, a real bitterness formed in my heart towards the Lord. Um, like, where were you at? Why did you let this happen? Um, but what happened was, um, you know, my family um, went through the legal proceedings for this issue. Um, we, My mom and dad got a divorce. My whole life fell apart because I grew up in church looking at mom and dads. So when my mom and dad separated, my, whole, my heart broke. And um, um, I feel like I uh, experienced pain that I, w- I didn't know how to cope with. So what happened was I looked at uh, drugs, um, not as something that was going to be fun, but I looked at it as something to numb my heart. And what happened was, um, you know, as you use drugs like heroin, you develop a physical pain and a withdrawal and dependence on it. And what happened was um, I would just take it and I would just need more. And then I would go to the next thing and I was called kind of like trash can junkie where I, I would just do anything in front of me. I didn't care what it was. I just don't. I just didn't want to feel my feelings and I didn't want to be in reality because I didn't like my reality. So
1: You had a pretty horrible reality, didn't you? Yeah.
2: It, I was I was just heartbroken.
1: And you know the sad thing is that the church sometimes does a fantastic job helping people in pain and sometimes we do an awful job. And some things we just don't know what to deal how to deal with it, so we just choose not to deal with it. Right. And and the experience that you went through, the heartbreak, and and seeing your family literally ripped to shreds, should have been the time when the church would come in like a triage unit, and and do everything necessary to um, give you a sense of stability in the midst of this terrible instability. And sounds like it failed pretty good. And and sadly, as a lot of people do, and and and, right. and understandably right. so, say. Where was God in all of this? Clearly, right. God was a, mile, a million miles away. He must have been on vacation because right. He sure wasn't intervening in my situation.
2: Well, you know, now that I look back on this situation, I've gone through um, so much healing and counseling. I don't want to come across as a victim. I'm not. I'm, I'm so much more than a conqueror. And today I can help girls that, you know, they can come to me with any type of abuse. And I'm the first one to pray healing over them and lay hands on them and hug them and, and say, I know a comforter and I know the healer. So I can, I, I'm, I'm the girl. Like I can, I can help <laughs> any situation. It doesn't intimidate me, um, and I can speak out of my whole, own healing, not my brokenness anymore. So I don't ever want to come across as a victim. But no,
1: and you don't. You, you absolutely do come across as a victor, not a victim. Amen. And, and yet, it's important, I think, for people to hear your past experience in order to have a reference point. Yes. You know, as, as both Scott and Alan were sharing their stories,
2: mm-hmm.
1: do I really want to relive all this right. horrible aspect of my life again and, and, and put it out over the radio? But people listening need to have a perspective where they can say, really? Because yeah. I'm a me too.
2: Right. And and also, I always want to rob the enemy of an excuse to feel bad for myself, and I want to rob other people of saying, this is why I don't go to church anymore, this is why I gave up on the Lord. I want to say, you know what, I've been through worse, and I'm still going. Um, That's not a good enough excuse for me. And um, that's why Teen Challenge was such a good opportunity for me, because it was just enough of church um, to really heal me of that. And... um, and, and um, restore my my faith in um, believers, and know that there are Christians out there that totally um, aren't uh, scared of what you've been through. You can just share all your secrets, you know, because we're we're forgiven by God, but we're healed by the community, and we're healed when we you know we, we, we have confession time and um, uh, uh, well, are like able to be well. They're overcame by the
1: power of their testimony. Amen,
2: right? and, and able to be transparent. That's been one of the most healing elements of Teen Challenges. The staff knows everything about me and still loves me. <laughs> That's been great.
1: You dealt with living on the streets for eight years. Yes, sir. I, I can't even imagine. Uh, I mean, I mean, if a guy can't imagine and think about a young lady on the street and having to deal with all that was thrown at you. Um, how did you find Teen Challenge?
2: So it's kind of a long story, but I'll make it um, – as uh, quick as possible. The Reader's Digest version. Sure. So my <laughs> sister was a missionary with Youth with a Mission. Wow. Why? Am? Okay. Um, she was climbing a random mountain in Lima, Peru. Um, there's like ten people on the top of the mountain and a lot of llamas. And she was sharing my story with um, her prayer group. And they were praying um, about all their, you know, their, um, the people in their family that needed to come to know the Lord. They had just had a really heavy heart that night for people that needed the gospel. And she brought me up because I was, you know, just a heroin addict in um, the other part of the world. And she said, I just want God to either take my sister home early, like let her die or um, set her free because I was just her baby sister and she didn't want to see me hurt anymore. And, um, so we had um, grown up in a Christian home, and she just said, you know, take her back to her roots. Like Because I loved the Lord when I was little. I got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I loved the Lord. I knew that um, uh, I had loved him but I just, life happened. It was so much heartbreak, sure. <laughs> and I lost it. So what happened was she prayed for me and the missionary um, that she was praying with, he ha- um, was actually a graduate of teen challenges said, you know what? I know somewhere where your sister could go. Um, Cause I was healed of drug addiction. I don't even think about dope. I love the Lord. Now I- I'm a missionary for life. He's like this hippie guy. And um, she said, what's it called? And how much does it cost? And you know, what do we got to do to get her there? And um, that night in um, Alaska, I had overdosed on um, heroin. And um, my, my Christian boss, who just got on my last nerve because I wasn't trying to, um, you know, listen to the gospel at all, I, I was just super annoyed with Christians when you're trying to live for um drugs <laughs> they're just really annoying yeah. <laughs> they're Sometimes just without drugs they they're just super annoying, annoying yeah <laughs> and I was just like I don't care who you are or what what you have for me I just want my paycheck and I want to go get high get out of my face but um he had actually found me overdosed at his property that I was working for him at night to um I was working at night so I didn't have to find anywhere to stay at night I was working at a um business cleaning um, his properties and he found me overdosed and I woke up in the hospital the very next day and um, my mom had printed off the application a Teen Challenge and I filled it out within a week my judge I was on probation at the time and uh, my judge court ordered me to Teen Challenge and said even if you don't get help please don't come back on the plane (laughs) and um, so I uh, my my mom who was super um, you know we didn't have any finances had just kinda like fundraised my family um, who did have the funds, and they helped me out, um, get a plane ticket to San Jose. So that was, um, I believe, July in 2009. And um, within a week, I was completely cold turkey off all of my drugs. I had even got off some, some, some meds that I had been taking. Um, and then um, with, within about a couple weeks, I was completely set free and on fire for Jesus. And I haven't had a perfect walk since, but I, I do know that I'm going forward in life.
1: Been with the Lord forty years. Mine hasn't been perfect since either.
2: <laughs>
1: wow! You talk about the aha moment we were talking <laughs> earlier, um, Scott. There, there's a real aha moment, and oh, and absolutely. and people say in the midst of the pain and the crisis of whatever it might be, um, and your story, Randy, compared perhaps to the average individual's, pretty severe. And yet to see the working of the hand of God <clears throat> from the Andes Mountains all the way to Alaska and back to California again, I mean you're you're traversing it's a good ten thousand miles round trip all the way, and yet God was able to get his voice heard to call his daughter home.
2: Amen. Well, um, and I always think wow. about um the um you know, teen challenge God God's earth is the, um, his footstool, you know, and he sees us wherever we're at. And that's why we have, you know, a family center. We have a women's center, women with children, because wherever you are and whatever need you have, he'll just meet you right, right where you're at.
1: And he obviously did in your case. You went through the program. When you graduated the program, um, was there any thought as to what do I do next, or was it pretty clear in your mind and your heart what God wanted you to do, where He was going to place you?
2: Yeah, I well, I knew I had a call to ministry. Um, I knew I wanted to um, preach the gospel and go to the nations, and you know, I, w- I wanted to serve for the rest of my life. Um, I've had some mistakes since then, um, but but I know that um, I want to serve, and I'm, I'm a lifer
1: you know we're we're told in Scripture to work out our salvation, yep. die daily to the Lord, and you know the beautiful thing in 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 Christ is it's it's not well, you get one chance, better not blow it. I mean you can get called into the boss's office and be told that, and wind up two weeks later with a pink slip uh The nice thing is that God's ability to forgive never wears out, of course you know he he tells us in Scripture that he wouldn't that we would continue in sin, right. But this is the beauty of the power for the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be able to share. And it comes back to the whole message of hope Mm -hmm. that you were talking about earlier. Being able to dynamically share with people that the hope is real, it is now, and it is everlasting. And you never run out of it. And even if you, you stumble along the way, he's there to pick you up, put you back on the road again. I mean, if you think about the image of Paul, who was called himself the chiefest chiefest of sinners and a persecutor of Christians. I mean, he was about having, having believers killed. And God in his economy says, that man will write the majority of the New Testament. That man will lead the new church. Wow. That's heavy. Demonstrative, I think, of this beautiful, life-changing power of the gospel and your story, and your story, mm-hmm. Alan and, and Scott, and just see that there's differences in all, and yet similarities in terms of the same gospel, the same shed blood for the remission of sin, the same hope message, the same reward of eternity, and the the same promise of new life. Come on, dive in, guys. I'm, I'm going to go to preaching here. Otherwise, <laughs> I, I was captivated by what you were
3: saying. <laughs> A counseling no, session. it's it's very true. Just um, the promise of a new life, and then when you get not only just, it's a, like I said, the outcome is bigger than the process. But when you come in, you hear about it, and then you, when you come into the program, you, you start to see it somehow what it could be, and then you live the program, and then you're done with the program, and then it's like, what do I do? And then, but you continue to follow the, the regiment and the the tools that I learned in Teen Challenge, and then. Honestly, it's just one day I can't even pinpoint like a day or a moment, but there's just a, a, a time that comes across when it's like if you just stay in his word and you stay in his in his will, like I'm living it and like Randy said, we all we, we continue to make mistakes I mean we're not perfect and that's the biggest biggest lesson I've learned is like we make mistakes, we fall, but you know that, that blood's already been shed for us Amen. By, by jesus and and it's a it.
1: process of perfection. Absolutely. I mean, th- this this is kind of going to uh, to a boot camp for, for heaven. Mm-hmm. It's a process of perfection. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. And days will be that will be just right, bang on the money. And days and God's got to take us back to the woodshed mm-hmm. and teach us a lesson or two. But it's that that ongoing process. Um, you know, the good news is that when you when you make your commitment, um, salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification takes some time. But it is that process of sanctification as we work out our salvation, as Scripture tells us, that we're able to draw closer to the Lord. And every one of those little experiences, whether it be stuff the devil shoots in your direction or mistakes that you make, I believe the cumulative total of those experiences solidifies your walk with the Lord deeper and deeper and deeper. And I tell people sometimes, uh, you know, When we're young believers, we say, this I know for the Bible tells me so. And we talk about God's faithfulness and God's promises and and all of that. As we continue in our walk with him and we grow in that relationship and experiences and battles and shortcomings and failures and attacks of the enemy come our way. God proves Himself, and we make it through that experience, and then we move from the valley back to the mountaintop, and then, you know, every mountain tends to have the, <laughs> the downside to it. and You're back in the valley again, and then later on, once back again on the mountaintop, you move from an understanding of this I know for the Bible tells me so to this that I know that I know that I know that it gets down into almost in your the very essence of your being because you've experienced so many times. God's ability to pick you up Dust you off and put you right back On the same correct track Again and again and I mean and that essentially Is that message of hope No matter what you do you can never stray too far
3: Yep that's right
1: Tell us a bit about the the Women's ministry a lot of gals that come in I mean they're facing difficult circumstances I would imagine some are fleeing Bad home situations Abusive boyfriends Abusive husbands whatever it might be
2: Basically um, that's that's what we, you know, tell people during our stay at the Family Center. It's been marriage school for us. It's been wife school. It's been mom school. <laughs> um, we're just learning how to be parents. Um, I'm surprised growing up in a Christian family how much I still don't know. <laughs> Every day I'm, I'm learning um, a new. But what's so cool is that we live on staff. Um, you know, the people that live um, on campus are staff members too. Um, so I can watch how they tackle issues in their life together. I have a constant example and somebody always in front of me that's learning what I'm learning but a year ahead of me or two years ahead of me. That's what's so awesome about the community aspect of the program. And I'm constantly pouring into somebody. <laughs>
1: so you get it, you receive it, and then you pass, pass it, it along. On. Pass it along. You know, and the interesting thing is you think about it, you buy a new TV, it comes with a manual. You buy a new car, it comes with a manual. You have a kid, you get married, no manual, no book, except scripture. That's yep. really the only right. manual out there to exist. Now, a lot of people write stuff after they go through experiences and think, well, these are my ideas about what to do, how to stay married, how to raise kids. But at <laughs> the end of the day, the only real manual is scripture itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the program, approximately how many families or
3: women involved?
2: I would say 18 women. Eighteen right now? Mm-hmm. At the Women's Center. And um, the apartment complex has...
3: The Women's Center can hold 18 women, um, students at the time, plus some staff live there, and then... We have the family center um, that Steve and Sophia oversee, and that can hold anywhere between, you know, you know two, two to six, seven families, um, and they kind of make it work. I mean, some staff live on site, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, varying, it's a varying group of families that live there, which is the, it's, it's the most unique because it's the only Teen Challenge Center in the country that has, allows husbands and wives to come in together. Interesting. So we get families. Um, you'll meet Steve and Sophia. They actually came from New Mexico. Um, and did the program as a family, and now they're they're called as the directors. Um, so that's, I think, for for me being involved with the program. And, I mean, Randy came from Alaska for herself, but at the same time um, meeting people from all sorts of all different parts of the country because I grew up in Southern California, and it was very isolated in my own little bubble, not only in my home but in my community. And to see kind of the rest of the world through the Community of Teen Challenge and people from all sorts of different walks of life, um, I realized, like, Problems are the same no matter where they are. And, they, and, and if
1: California is a melting part, the Bay Area is the center of the melting oh, pot. Oh, absolutely. It's the core. No doubt of that. Uh, let me mention, by the way, and I've got to do this with Randy in studio because I don't want to get in trouble, um, uh, listeners that have been moved by what you've shared, or uh, Alan and Scott as well, and say, wow, this is a ministry that I would like to get behind. I would like to uh, encourage, certainly take on a commitment to pray for the ministry. And if folks want to get involved in providing um, financial support as well. Uh, can they get information on how to do that through the Teen Challenge website?
2: Yep, TeenChallenge.net.
1: TeenChallenge.net. Now, we mentioned, of course, as, as uh, uh, Scott just reminded us, that there there are centers all over the country. In fact, all forty-eight of the fifty states. Um, but you can go there and do a search specifically for the Oakland Center or the San Jose Center. So if you want to give to the family program, you can check that out or the East Bay Center.
3: You can go to our website, teamchallenge.net, and donate specifically to a center or to the organization as a whole, or you can even call our administration office, which the number is
2: 888-339-3193.
3: I usually call the local number, so that way that number slips me. Or any information, they can also email us at info at teenchallenge.net.
1: 888-339-3193. That's toll-free, 888-339-3193. All right, I'm told by the boss we need to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll meet Steve and Sofia Gonzalez as this edition of Lifeline continues. All right, 617 on the clock. Let's see what's up, Doc. We've got Michael Bennett standing by, the latest in your Wednesday ride home from the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael?
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back to The Conversation, 623 here on the Wednesday edition of Lifeline. And we uh, we continue our visit today in studio with a number of folks from East Bay and of San Jose Teen Challenge. Again, information available on the web at teenchallenge.net. That's teenchallenge.net. Or you can call toll-free 888-339-3193. That's 888 Ninety-three, And um, let's meet a couple of new guests joining us in the studio. Steve and Sofia Gonzalez, welcome to our program. And tell us a bit Hello. about your program. Now, you, you came from New Mexico. From new Mexico, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. And uh, clearly you, you didn't come here because you wanted warmer weather. No. So <laughs> tell us what brought you to the Bay Area specifically. And let's start, uh, Steve, with
4: you uh, and Teen Challenge. Okay, well, uh, my first encounter with Teen Challenge I came into the program because I suffered with an alcohol addiction. Um, I started drinking at a very young age, about 13 years old. Um, I grew up in a family where it was okay to socially drink and just to have our drinks, so um, I grew up in a really good family. My mom and dad um, worked very hard to try to support me and my sister, and it just started out really just as fun and games, a weekend thing, and uh, as the years progressed, uh, they, they got stronger through high school. and. Um, it just escalated, and um, I really couldn't even pinpoint really a time where it just flipped, and I was drinking every day. Yeah, it goes sure. from something
1: you do socially on the weekend to a part of life.
4: Yeah, it does, and, um, you know, I was drinking about a fifth uh, vodka a day. Aye, aye, ay. Um, I had a, you know, during my addiction, I had multiple uh, uh, visits to the ER because I was being found just laid out on the side of the road or one time in the parking lot of my apartment complex, um, just laid out people didn't know if I was dead or alive. You know, I'd wake up to police kicking me and
1: fifth of vodka a day your liver doesn't like you very much either. You no, know, right? and you yeah. know and,
4: and praise the Lord, I'm I'm completely healthy to to this day, you know. God's God's amazing grace on my on my life. But uh through my, so through my addictions, uh uh it led me to find somewhere that needed help, you know, and uh, Sophia, me and Sophia have been married now for well, we're going on thirteen years. Um all my uh addiction through our marriage our first six years I, I took my family through I would say hell uh, we have three children uh, my children used to see me just laid out on the couch uh, they always used to see me and Sophia argue and fight I was always in and out of the house I would uh, always go back either to my mom's house or to a friend's house and um, just in and out of the life so you
1: carry this from all of your teen years you said you kind of started mm-hmm. the bottle at 13 you were mm-hmm. exposed to it at home socially culturally yeah you carry this through all your teen years. You met Sophia, and then you carry this into your marriage. Into my
4: marriage,
5: and, yeah. and
1: did, were you aware of this? Was this kind of the open secret? <laughs> or you thought, he's good-looking, I'll, I'll take him booze and anything, everywhere, anyway? You know,
5: it was the party life that brought us together. Really? Um, yes, most definitely. And um, it was um, something that we, that's how we shared our relationship um, for the first seven years of our relationship. So we, in total, we've been together 20 years um, but the first seven years was definitely full of addiction, drugs drugs and alcohol And altogether. that was
1: true for both of you. Yes. So in your case, it was a thing that you just kind of got exposed to. And as I said, it went from what we do socially to part of everyday life, coping in in a real sense, and the body becomes very dependent upon that. What what about in your case? Was that Um, true as well?
5: Yes, sir. I grew up in a very destructive home. My dad was a severe alcoholic, and um, my mom um, just was the true codependent who, um, pretty much a domestic violent case, um, and she just withheld a lot of the abuse and um, was very emotionally neglective um, to herself and and to us. And so we we grew up with that lifestyle um, all the way through through our
1: teens. And, and, and let me interrupt you, Sophia, because some of us say, well, wait a minute now. I mean, if you grew up with that and you knew the turmoil of it and the fights and all of that, why would you ever go down that same road? And I, and I have to just wonder, is it because, well, that's all you know, that's all you've ever seen?
5: Yes, sir. It felt like that was the, a set of cards that had been dealt to me. There, ah. there wasn't a choice. I didn't know that I had a choice. Um And it wasn't just at home, it was family members and extended family members and friends. It was basically all my life and everyone I knew. um so it, I didn't know that there was a choice factor
1: there. So Steve came along and 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 you guys are just hanging out together having a good old time. You don't yes. really know any different and and don't know that there can be something not only different but better.
5: Yes. um I mean, well through our through the first couple years of our relationship he was he was very um spiritual. And would talk to me about God and, and say that there's you know He can help and He can comfort and to pray. Um, but for me, it was I, I neglected faith um, altogether from the beginning. It wasn't something that came natural for me. Mm-hmm. It was more a, more of a routine, something you have to do. It made me feel bad. Um, and you so we go I, to
1: church Easter, Christmas because we're all right. Yeah.
5: Yes. And and um, and so it just it wasn't something I was familiar with at all growing up. So there was some hope there coming from him and his family. that They were very well dedicated um, to the Lord. Um, but it wasn't until um, that we found ourselves really digging our heels into our adult life, moving into 20, 21 years old, that I realized, okay, enough is enough. And I found myself pregnant with my oldest daughter. And I said, okay, life does have to change. There's got to be something different. Um, so the, I didn't really have any family that was encouraging me to do anything different. It was really just... That's all they know, too. Yes, yes. There was no other way. There was no other
1: path. And that's, you know, we were talking about that earlier, Alan. That's that breaking that cycle. As you said, you grew up, your family life as a child was the same thing largely because of your mother's addiction. And so to see this experience coming through Teen Challenge, um, being able to break the cycle of addiction, that's critically important here. Yes, sir. Not only for your sake, but for the sake of your your own family now. Yes,
4: sir. And
1: I suppose, Sophia, for you guys too then?
5: Yes, absolutely. And I think for me, um the, the turning point was my oldest daughter. She uh excuse me, <laughs> uh she um was the life of hope and, and it was deep down inside that a Again, there's really got to be something different because I, right, right. I, th- I still hadn't found the faith yet. Change you or
1: break you, one of the Yeah,
5: right. I still hadn't found the faith a whole, a whole lot there. Um, I was, but just you found missing. some purpose though. I mean, had found some all purpose. All of a sudden, was there's this daughter. little
1: tiny body yes. that you're responsible for.
5: Yes, yes, and and I and there, I just knew there had to have been something else different. So I decided to stop smoking, stop drinking, stop using. Um, but in this case, for my husband, he couldn't. He he was already full on in, and just kept spiraling deeper into his addiction. So
1: it's harder for guys, isn't it, Steve? I mean, yeah. I, I, and, well, that maternal know. instinct, she kind of gets that sense of, wow, yeah. you know, I brought this baby into this world, and I'm going to have to answer for this. Guys, like, she takes care of that. I go to work. She takes care of the house and the kids. And You, you kind of almost give yourself a little bit more permission in a sense.
4: Yeah, and um, as you guys were talking about earlier, you get that, uh, that sense of being that fun- functioning um, addict. Yeah. Right. I could go to work, I could have my beers, I could have my drinks and um go to work, come home and uh we, we we're raised in a way where uh that's all the man needs to do really. Just as long as you have Bring a home job, the bread, that's, that's it. That's it. And and there's no nothing else that you have to do. Um I know that when Sophia when she got pregnant with malady and Sophia had stopped, uh, she'd always asked me to stop also. And I grew a very rebellious spirit towards my wife. And that's what led me really super deeper into my addiction um because you're you're going to
1: prove that you can handle it and you're going to prove that she's not going to tell you no exactly full full pride you know i'm
4: I'm the man and and i'll do what i want right good dose
1: of my cheesy one yeah there you go
4: (laughs) 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 and um so with that you know it led me to hiding my drinking um and and with the hiding of the drinking is where it came worse because uh I was just trying to play the double life part, like, like I'm not doing it. I would lie to her, and she's like, you're drinking. I'm like, no, I'm not. And um, my immune came to a point that it was so high at one point that I could kind of almost play it off. Um, but but yet, as
1: as a former drinker and user yourself, that's hard to hide, isn't it?
4: Yes, it was. Um, it, it,
1: so he's, 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 he's trying to play you like everything's cool, <laughs> and, and you could, you knew... Yeah, deep down, that that was not the case. Deep down
5: inside, yeah. Um And it was, but I wanted to set the reality and the tone that it really wasn't happening. So I allowed, I believed the lie, I let him lie to me, and that's when I started just going deeper and losing myself more. So it was starting to lose my identity and, and really what I'd stand for, and even within myself.
1: And is that kind of a coping mechanism too? Because you want to keep the marriage, and you got a yes. baby, you want to yes. keep the family together. Yes. And maybe it's easier sometimes. Just to believe the lie yes. than to face the real truth, because yes, the lie part is easy. The truth part means a lot of work.
5: It's it's very, very painful. It's yeah. yes, very painful. So for me, maybe it wasn't drugs and alcohol, but it then began uh, became more now an emotional defect that I would just allow myself to shut
1: down. When do the wheels, Steve, start to come off on all this? Because um, eventually it catches up with you.
4: Yeah, it does. I was uh, I was in my uh, early 30s, about uh, tw- well, late 20s, early 30s. Um, It just starts really spiraling down. Uh, To this point, I can't even go and work anymore. Uh, Now I'm completely chemically dependent on the alcohol. Um, I wake up and I'm just severely shaking. Uh, First thing on my mind is needing a drink. Um, So I tried uh, some detoxes. I tried uh, a 30-day program. Worked for a couple of weeks after the thirty days. I was back at it again. Thirty days worked for two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I was right back at it again. You had a day um, for every two you would best. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I was I was just in and out that way. And um, there came a, p- a time where uh, Sophia, I think she came to a realization, or not a realization, but to a point where if you can't beat them, then I'll join them. And and she relapsed again and, wow. and started joining me in my drinking. And that was probably the last. Um, that was probably like in 2011 or so. It was probably the worst eight months of our life. Um, our marriage was completely void. There was no marriage there. Uh, by this time, we have um, our two other children, Marco and uh, Maya. So and three kids now. So now we have three kids. And now we're both in it, and uh, our marriage is just spiraling super fast. Um, so you not only
1: don't have a marriage, practically speaking, yeah, but... The kids don't have a mom and dad. Exactly. Dad's off and non on Land from the minute he wakes up, and mom has just thrown in the towel and said, I can't beat him, I'm going to join him.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, that was about eight months that we did that. And uh, we, we had known about Teen Challenge because uh, Sophia's uh, sister had gone through a program uh, back in the early 2000s in, in San Antonio, and we were looking for places to go, and Sophia fell, uh, came across uh, the Asbury Family Center, which um, we found out takes the whole family in. Uh, so we didn't have to be apart. I would, the man and husband can come in and bring their children. And um, she was making the phone calls. She did all the footwork. I, I wasn't even.
1: Where's the breaking point? I'm, I'm curious. Eight months of this. Yes, what leads you to say this has got to stop, or this is going to end and probably end badly? What, was there any
5: one tipping point, yes, or did I um, eventually um, oh. just uh, nose dived into just a suicidal depression? and um got to the point where um i started hearing voices and just um at the point of even looking at my kids i felt terror and and i i knew that if i didn't make it through this then the voices basically in my head were telling me take their lives they don't need to go through this anymore so i made a phone call to my mom and i basically said look if you don't come and come now and come get us you're going to come find us all dead and um and so it took a minute to pull myself together, get my kids together, and meet my mom outside and have her pick us up. And a month later is when we found we, we, we were in Teen Challenge.
1: Interesting the way, in, in a sense, of, a, a warped sense of maternal instinct, warped by the enemy. Yes. That there was still that, that degree of protectedness that you wanted to show for your kids. Yes. But also acknowledging almost simultaneously that they've been, you've put them through so much hell yes. that these kids don't deserve to live like this. And, of course, the enemy then takes that to the next extreme step That's and right. says these kids not, just don't deserve to live like this. These kids don't deserve to live. That's right. When you hear stories, and I think this is a significant part of yours, when you hear stories about mothers who drive kids into a lake and right. kill them and things of this sort and then famous case that happened several years ago. Does it make sense to you because of where you were at? You said yes. to yourself, what kind of desperate demons must she have been wrestling yes. that would make someone think of something like that or do something like that.
5: It it's a full it's a full on numb out and, and just a loss of identity entirely. Um it's it's despair manifested at its best. And life in, in general means absolutely
1: nothing. You have reached the absolute, utter bottom. Yes. And hope, we've talked about this earlier, Mm -hmm. hope is completely void. I mean, this is not even a topic of discussion. It doesn't even cross your mind. It's just despair. And following that despair is more despair. And that's it.
5: Yes, and all I can see is dark. It was a jaded world. It was cloudy. It was foggy. Um, Even seeing a mother and a child playing in a a playground meant absolutely nothing. It was a dream. It 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 was the walking dead, to be exact.
1: You call your mom and say, come pick up your grandkids. Yes. You guys find out about the program. Pack everything. The kids go with mom and dad with your mom initially.
5: They Stay with my parents, um, and then that's when we f- took a flight out. We sold everything. We sold absolutely everything to get out there. We didn't have anything else, and um, we were there in, in the family center, the Asbury Family Center, um, for about four months, so we can get we can get clean. And, and
1: was this the the final act of desperation, Steve? I mean, was this in your mind as 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 the, as the husband and head of the household and Father to your kids, we got to do this because if we don't do this, this is going to end really badly.
4: It was, and um, I mean, and really to be honest, what fueled it was was the children, for me, was um, my kids because at that point, me and Sophia really our our relationship was non-existent. Yeah. Because um, we even came in with a going into the program, we came in with a pact that we were going to stay six months, uh, just get sober, leave, and get a divorce and move on. And um, but for me, it was that desperation also. Um, my mother played a big factor in that. Um, just to see my mom in such turmoil and, and so worried about me, also feel that to to try to come and get help. Um, she a
1: praying mother. She is.
5: Oh yes. Yeah.
4: She is. she's listening right now. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's amazing. I mean, we we tend to discount at a certain age mother's power and capabilities. But the, the, yeah. the power of a praying mother should never be underestimated. Never, right. right. yeah. That's Mom right. on her knees can be like a whole army. Yeah. You guys get into the program. This is just, we're hoping that this won't end as bad as we think it may end. Mm-hmm. Let's give this a try.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to get through this, get sober, and go get an attorney. Mm-hmm. Some point. We talked about this earlier, too. The light bulb goes on. Yeah. When, when does the light bulb go on?
4: Um, you know, for me, it was really, um, I'd have to say maybe three months into the program. Um, I did see an amazing grace that God had on our life just coming into the program because I was, my fear was, because I, I didn't detox. So my fear was that I was going to go through this detox season in the program. Um, but I, I didn't even go through any withdrawals which was, that, that What that one thing amazed me. Wow. Um, and you just, talked
1: earlier about the fact that you were having the DTs. You get up in the morning, yeah. mm-hmm. first thing you had to have was yeah. to get some alcohol in your system just to settle your nerves. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: So that, for, for me, that was a wake-up call. You go cold got, turkey. But, yeah. It was
5: basically the same for me as well. Um, <coughs> I was suffering with panic attacks on the daily, um, even um, anxiety on the daily, but chronic panic attacks were paralyzing my body, would literally get stuck just with the anxiety and the stress that I was carrying. Um, the, the day that I set foot on a teen challenge, I n- never had another panic attack again, and it was something I suffered with all my life. And I was, I was uh, 25, 26 years old when I entered the doors in a teen challenge, and Never had another panic attack again. I made myself wonder, what is happening here? Nothing Mm -hmm. less than the supernatural.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be even scary to a certain degree. (laughs) Am I right? (laughs) It's not scary in a bad way. Not in a a Halloween boo scary, Mm -hmm. but in, in a sense that you've come into this new atmosphere. Yes. And there's already measurable instant change, and you've done nothing on your own at all. That's right. And the only thing different is that there's all these crazy Christians running around <laughs> yeah.
5: talking praying. about praying. Jesus and praying. Praying yeah. and talking about Jesus. It's simply being in the presence of the Lord. It wasn't anything that we did but show up.
1: You guys get into the program. You show up. God is already starting to move. Mm-hmm. Three months in, you're beginning to get the feeling like, wow, uh, <laughs> this may not be lost. This may not be... Because you you kind of characterize it, Steve as sort of we're going to go in, but it's going to be the beginning yeah. of the end relationally. That's right. Yeah. We may spare our lives, spare our lives of our kids, right. but our our marriage relationship is not going to come out of this yeah. hole.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and and the interesting thing was that um, it was it was so the the part to get to know my wife sober mm. was was for me was very. Intriguing because I didn't know. so. It's a whole sober. different woman. It was a whole, yes. just
1: different like, guy too, you no? Know? Yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely.
4: And and I think that was the, what played the biggest part, and and that's why we we came together because we saw each other. You know, there was there had to be a point where we saw each other, and uh, being sober, we were just seeing each other again, and and God just sparked this this fire for our relationship again. It just it just lit up, and we were just we were just on it. We were on it.
1: Do you fall in love with her
3: all over
4: again? All yeah. Every day. Yeah, <laughs> every day. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what God does uh, in restoring um, a relationship and uh, just um, to have fresh eyes every day. It's so amazing to me. And that's what he did in my marriage.
1: When did the kids get pulled back in? We're still with mom and de- mom it's at this still, point. Yep, yeah.
5: I'm still with yeah. my parents in Albuquerque. And um, we. our director at the time, she just came up to us and um, it was about three. I struggled pretty much. The fur I, I I was very protective of myself and very self defensive, and so I I struggled heavily. So we waited a little longer than we should to have them back in. I wanted to make sure I was ready. Hence the, you know, the things I was saying before. They wanted to make sure I was stable enough mm-hmm. to to bring my kids back and safe to be with me. Um, and so definitely we got to that point. And um, four months into the program, um, his parents drove them drove into California so that they can be in the program with us. And then that's when we entered into the family center, which is the 13 apartment unit that they spoke of earlier, into our own apartment complex, um, apartment unit there. And that's when we, we began our recovery together as a whole.
1: Fast forward, what's it like today? from thinking about when you came with the idea that we're going to get sober and then we're going to get done. And now here you are. You have fallen in love with your wife all over again. Family is together. Tell me about that.
4: Uh, Man, words can't express it. it, It's one of those things that, um, you know, because we graduated the program, we went back home, and then God calls us back. And it's one of those things where... (laughs) <laughs> it's so to me it's so tangible but it's very hard for me to explain you know like I I, I can the joy of seeing being able to wake up every day and see my wife and, and be able to hug my kids and to, to just love on them and to be so in, in the grace of, of God is something that I, I can't explain it with words There's the passage
1: of scripture that that actually gives evidence gives testimony to what yeah. you're saying when we talk about the joy yeah. that surpasses all understanding. understanding well if you can't understand it that also means you can't explain it either yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah. you have to experience it don't you that's right
5: and uh, you know what I think mostly is that a lot of there was a lot of fear um, driven into the children and, and they you know had a lot of anxieties and trauma just from what we put them through and seeing the I am so grateful for the year-long program because it allowed us to be there long enough, so that way we can go through the natural sober and they can just be the resilient kids they are.
4: Sophie, how
1: old were the kids at this point when you're when you're reunited with them? What are the ages?
5: Um, so it was five, six, and eight.
1: Five, six, and eight. Okay, <laughs> yes. so they're old enough that they remember. Yes. They yes. come to the Bay Area. The five of you are now all reunited. Not only have you had fallen in love with this woman again, all over, they don't. They, your kids don't know you. No. They, this, this version of mommy and daddy, this version of Steve and Sophia, they know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they they must have been. I mean, they must have felt like they, I mean, just utter shock. I mean, in a good way.
5: Yes. Mm-hmm. It was sober. It was sobering for them as well. Daddy
1: gets up in the morning sober, goes through the day sober tucks the kids in bed at night's over mm-hmm. and repeats day after day they don't yeah. know that dad they don't know that steve
4: they don't know that and and it's just um, it was it was so amazing to me that um that some of the the even like when i would leave for the day i could see it in my children at first like they were they still had that wonder um, where is dad going is he coming back yeah the word
1: is fear they were yeah. they were mm-hmm. and, and probably to the point of of being terrorized yeah.
5: Lots of mm-hmm. conversations had to be had, and we had to communicate with them and build them up emotionally and mentally. And, and trust, too. And trust, mm-hmm. and, and Teen Challenge provided that for us. Without worrying about paying bills, everything was furnished. Food was provided in the apartments. We, we didn't have the responsibilities of the world to weigh on us to try to, to maintain the family life, Christianity, and recovery all at the so same time. So you
1: can focus then freely on not only dealing with your own demons, your own personal recovery, But then the recovery, so to speak, of your married life. Mm -hmm. And then the recovery of this huge responsibility you have for three lives out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of this is starting from fresh, from scratch. The kids have never seen you consistently sober. And wow. That's right. Um, And that that must have been critically important. Just, Just as you describe it, not having the cares of the world. Yes. To be able to focus on. One thing, and that is relationship, yeah. be it between each other, the kids, or with God.
5: Yeah. It's very humbling to go in, in a community-based um, experience with people of donors that have donated to Teen Challenge because I didn't know how to express my gratitude I, I but cry and say thank you. There, there was no words to say thank you because it's it's donors who provide to Teen Challenge that have given my family the opportunity to recover um altogether what would have cost us over a hundred grand for a family of five to be in a in a sober living place for, for as long as we were there. Um, that is not not an opportunity that the world will provide, but only God can provide. And that is through, you know, giving and, and providing of their time and their service and money and prayers into Teen Challenge.
1: We've spent a lot of time talking about the old days.
5: Mm-hmm. The
1: old Sophia, the old Steve. Tell me about today now how are the kids doing how are you guys doing
4: um the, my kids are doing great um so as scott mentioned we, we now me and sophia we're the directors of the uh, Allen rock women and children center seems natural that's, that's kind of <laughs> <laughs> that's a natural and, <laughs> progression and um you know we have been here uh, 7 months so god just called us back 7 months ago um the kids are are my daughter is a straight A student my son's playing basketball he's doing very good in school uh, Maya, my youngest, uh, she's doing really well in school also. And um, we're just serving God. And the kids are happy? They're Absolutely.
5: Happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, they, you know, it's it's probably every month, every six weeks or so, they just say, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I can't believe we're here. It's like we never left, mm-hmm. you know, back in Teen Challenge. And there have
1: to be moments when they look at the two of you and say, who are these uh-huh. people? Yes. Right? Yeah, Yes. Thinking about where you were uh, before this experience started.
5: Mm-hmm. I love how they trust us. I love how they come to us with questions. I love how they're open emotionally. And and that was provided for us, and we were able to give it to them through the program of Teen Challenge and God's Grace. And without that foundation there, we were there 19 months all together with our family. And, um, it you know, we, as he said, we left the program four and a half, you know, we were out four and a half years. But it, it went with us. It, it It just sustained in our hearts and went with us all these years. And and we needed something again bigger than ourselves to serve.
1: Well, and that and, goes back full circle to that to that whole relational yeah, idea that absolutely. we were we were talking about um, earlier, Scott. That um, the restoration not only of relationships on the the vertical plane between us and God, but then on the horizontal plane here. I mean, talk about layers of complexity between the two of you as a couple, and then individually with your kids and then together as a couple as mom and dad with your kids and extended family members and on and on it goes and god is truly in the restoration business isn't he yes yes
5: Yes. resurrection business
1: (laughs) (laughs) what do you say to people listening to our conversation tonight that say yeah but sophia you don't know my husband Whatever Steve was at his worst moment, my husband is ten times as worse. There is absolutely no way that God could ever change him. Or, or Steve for the guy listening saying, you know what, this is all I know. I was raised on this. I've been doing drugs, smoking, drinking, whatever, for so many years. There's no way God's going to be able to clean this mess up that I am. I, I, just, I sometimes go to sleep at night and pray that I never wake up the next day start with you, Sophia, and then, and then turn it over to Steve. To that person listening right now who is thoroughly convinced their situation is even worse and there is no hope for them, what do you say to that person?
5: Sometimes we're not the ones that need to be rescued. Um, my mom said to me one day, and it spoke volumes to me, she said, Sophia, this is not about you in the beginning. This is about your husband. He has an addiction. And those words really grounded into the center of my heart, and I'd have to say Pray. Your husband, he needs to be rescued. And that's what I did for three years before coming to Teen Challenges. I prayed for my husband and I prayed for my husband. And I let God be that husband to me. I let him be that emotional um, connection that I needed. I let him be my husband. And I had to trust in only him to fulfill those promises within me. Um, but again, sometimes it's not the woman that needs to be rescued, but maybe the husband.
4: Steve? I would have to say um, you are not a lost cause. Um, There is a God out there that truly loves you, that he wants to see you prosper. There is nothing that you have done that will ever make Jesus turn his back on you. Uh, The love of Christ is for all. And if he did it for me, he did it for Saul, made him Paul. He could do it for anyone. Um, Jesus takes the broken things of this world, the things that people look down on and frown upon, and he makes um, beautiful masterpieces of them. And I believe that that's that's for everyone. Alan, let me
1: turn back to you. Uh, You shared your story earlier growing up in a household where there had been addiction. Mom, in fact, eventually passed away from it. You got into the same pattern god intervened that cycle has been broken to the person listening who says yeah but my household oh mom and dad like your case used to be it's hopeless for me there's no way that my outcome can ever be the same of alan's outcome because i don't think god loves me that much or thinks i'm worthy that much what do you say to that person
4: say to that person they're not alone um that have gone through a lot of similar things to them that they've gone, are going through. Um, And like Stephen said, the love of Christ is is there. There's a God out there that loves them, and he's very involved in their life and through every situation they're going through. And it's no accident we're on the air today. Um, We have open doors and open beds available. And there's a family and teen challenge that will openly accept them and love them through all of their mess, Um, speak life into them. For me, um, there has been a lot of death spoken over my life. Um, so I'm there to speak life into them and just to tell them they're not alone.
1: I'm gonna, We're going to ask you if Randy can sneak back in here. She stepped out of the studio because we got more people than we have microphones and chairs. <laughs> Uh, But Randy's been listening in the the green room, and we heard from her earlier. Uh, Randy, in our closing moments, I want you to, from your own experience, say a word to other women listening right now that heard your story and go, wow, that sounds like me. Only worst part is I ended up dating this guy that I thought was really cute, and before I knew it, I found myself in prostitution or he started taking cameras out or whatever. My life is an absolute disaster. I can't get out of this thing. I am stuck. If I try to leave, there's no way. He'll, he'll beat me and kill me. Or if I try to quit the drugs, I won't be able to handle it. I've tried. This just can't happen. There is no hope for me. Maybe God showed some hope to you, but in my circumstance... There is no hope. What do you say to that woman listening right now that's thinking like that?
2: Um, so I would say that that's a broken record for me, that, that uh, Satan told me that for years, that um, I was different, and shame always told me that um, it's the gospels for everyone but me, because they don't know what I've done, and um, I, I'm just so mad. Um, that, that that was told to them That's what was told to me It's the biggest lie The enemy that he's been saying for years He can't come up with anything new So he says it over and over and over I would say that, um, that Satan's a liar um, that, um, uh, that Teen Challenge was predestined Before, you know, um, we ever got our problems And started making mistakes Teen Challenge was um, set up by David Wilkerson years ago Because he knew you'd be in this predicament today and that, that's where the prodigals come home. Um, that's where um, the the broken get healed. Um, that God's not intimidated by your mess and your sin. He just looks at it and thinks you're a perfect um, uh, candidate for um, what he sent his only son to heal for you. Wow.
5: Yeah.
1: Scott, let me turn back to you. We've been both ca- getting over colds here and coughing a bit. Um, I came at the end of the... I want you to kind of tie the bow on all of this. We've heard a lot of amazing stories from each of you tonight, Uh, stories that have some similarities, stories that are very different, Um, but stories that all have one unique common theme, and that is beginning as being hopeless, ending as being hopeful or full of hope, Mm -hmm. and each uniquely touched by an encounter with God in a real, full, significant way that has been life restorative, relationship restorative, hope restorative. Um, Kind of bring this all home for us, if you would, with, with a closing thought. And then I want you, if you would, please, for everyone listening right now that can relate to you, that can relate to Alan's story, that can relate to what Randy shared or what Steve and Sophia have shared, and are are today where they used to be or any of you used to be, pray for them, would you? And I'm going to ask our listeners, too, that when when Scott leads us in a word of prayer, if you would join us. Scott, just your your thoughts on this, uh, kind of, again, bringing it all home.
3: My thoughts go back to, again, the foundation I had in knowing Christ when I was younger. Um, Luke 1.37, for with the Lord, nothing is impossible. And coming to Teen Challenge, I've seen that verse lived out through so many people. I've seen strongholds broken. I've seen what was impossible become possible in so many different people. Like you said, what when people come in with are hopeless and now they're full of hope and hopeful and hopeful. Um, no longer are they dope dealers, we're now hope dealers. Mm-hmm. And that's a good way of putting it because it's and that's it relates to people at the same time. But um For me, it's just I didn't know what what the the hope was. But I do knew, I knew that what the Lord don't think was impossible. But how did that look? Now I have a full painted picture of how that verse looks that I learned when I was in second grade. And I share that with everybody that I come across through Teen Challenge. Like, if you want this, God's here and God's listening. And we might slip we might fall. And when you leave Teen Challenge, we're not going to be perfect. But the the tools and the applications that I learned in Teen Challenge through the teachings of Jesus – are are just the catalyst for so much hope that I've seen in my, not in my own life but in the lives of others that I'm pl- blessed to be part of um, in my marriage in my relationships um, like when Steve and Sophia when they left the program to go back home and it was just so great that we kept in touch loosely and then when they came back it was just like picked right up where we left off back to just they left you know praying for me and they came back with, like we were just in prayer and in unison and. Um, for the Lord nothing is impossible
1: now for the person listening right now or maybe parents too who are distraught because their kids are in the situation where some of
3: you used to be at
1: one point lead us in a word of
3: prayer would you Amen. absolutely Heavenly Father Lord we thank you so much for just this opportunity and for just for Craig to have us on this program tonight to just share the gospel and share what Teen Challenge can truly do not just here in the Bay Area but all over the world and Lord, I'm just so thankful for Alan and Randy and Steve and Sophia just to be here and be living testimonies of just the victory that we share in you in, in Jesus, Lord. And Lord, I pray out there for the addict that's struggling, for the mother of the addict that's struggling, for the father of the addict that's struggling, brothers, family members, to let you guys know that it is not impossible, that there is hope, that there are people in every Teen Challenge Center, not just here but across the world that are praying for you right now. And right now we come together in unison and in agreement. That we are gonna pray for that addict that's hopeless and know that there's hope out there. And if you seek hope and find hope, that Jesus will find a way into their heart and into their vision. And Lord, we just thank you so much for just the vehicles and the avenues through Lifeline and other programs like this, Lord, that allow us to go out there and not just share our toast of testimony, but just share the gospel of hope that Jesus that you've led us to be. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. Again, we thank you for for Craig for having us here today. And I just thank you so much for just the be blessed to share this experience with my friends Alan and Stephen, Sophia and Randy, and we've just been through so much, and we just continue to pour in the lives of others and just pray that, again, it's not us, it's you, that we continue to be led by your spirit, your hand, and be an example of your grace. And Lord, we do it all for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me mention to um, share the experience that you've participated in
1: tonight. Um, you can certainly get a copy of our podcast. That will be available tonight by about 730 by going to the KFAX website, kfax.com. Look for Lifeline or click on the uh, very heavily uh, Photoshop picture of me, and that will take you to the podcast for tonight. You can download it, listen to it, also link it. And if you know a friend or um, an individual family member that is facing any of the challenges that you've heard delineated tonight, or a parent who feels as if hope is gone for their child, that there's no way that they're they're ever going to become the prodigal child, share what you've heard, pass that podcast along and bring hope into their life. If you want to get behind the Ministry of Teen Challenge, or maybe you say, wow, guys, how did you get a copy of my story? You've been talking right at me for the last two hours almost and you need hope, and you want to see a change, a drastic change to restore relationships in your life, Team Challenge is available to you. Go online to TeamChallenge.net. You can check out the centers available again in San Francisco, Oakland, and in San Jose, TeamChallenge.net. Sacramento come,
3: as well, Sacramento, Sacramento as and well. Las You're Vegas.
1: Listening up in Sacramento, which they certainly could be. We invite you to check that out too. Telephone eight 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 three three nine thirty one ninety three. That's eight 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 three three nine thirty one ninety three. Also encourage you to uh, prayerfully support the Ministry of Team Challenge and uh, and be in prayer for um, all that we heard from tonight for Randy and Steve and Sophia and for Alan and Scott uh, in their ministries and the critical work that they do on behalf of the gospel. That's going to do it. We're plumb out of time. And then some, they're going to bring the shepherd's crook in here in a minute and drag me off stage, as it were. (laughs) I want to thank all of our guests for being with us tonight. Also want to thank our producer, Wanda Sanchez, my engineer, Jarrell Martin. And thank you for being with us. Hey, let's do it again tomorrow night at 5, shall we? Till then, as always, we remind you, just don't keep the faith. Get on out there and share it. Make it a great Wednesday. Till next time, so long.
0: Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's